A good friend, Andy Redmond, is a part of a 3D archery club. And if you were like me and need to learn what that means, 3D refers to the shapes of the targets. And there's various clubs in the area. He'll travel from week to week to these various places, and they have a course marked out. And so some of the 3D targets are, you know, a plastic bear or deer or... Um, um, turkey or, or whatever, but as, as he walks through the woods, he's got his bow, and he gets to do this with Haley, with Logan sometimes. Uh, they kind of go for a walk in the woods, and they go through the pre-described course, and there's uh, a target here. And so the, you come across the target, you take aim, you take your best shot, and then you move on to the next target, and so forth and so on. It takes him about an hour, and each Sunday morning, actually, he goes to various clubs, archery clubs in our area, and uh, spends an hour walking in the woods with his kids and uh, practicing this hobby, which he loves. So he's told me more about it. I encourage you to ask him more details. He can give you more than I can. Um, but it occurs to me that that's the perfect illustration for what God's put on my heart to talk about this week and to challenge us as missional communities to wrestle with this week. I think that concept of moving through life and then obstacles and challenges, targets appearing along the way and us stopping to just take our best shot at them and then moving on to the next one and there's a target and we take our best shot at it really reflects what the Christian life is like. You can't just stay in one spot and think, oh, I mastered this target. Life throws you curveballs all the time. There's new things. Things pop up. Targets pop up quickly, and you have to make a quick shot. Other ones you see from a long way away, and you take a, a long, slow time getting towards them, and eventually you get there, you take aim, you fire, and you make your best shot. Sometimes you miss. You learn from that, and you adjust to the next target, the next obstacle, the next trial. And uh, you're asking God, okay, how do I do this? Help me with this. And some of the, the targets we're shooting at it seem to be moving targets, and some of the targets are smaller, and some are bigger, and, and some are harder, and some are easier. Um, but we, we walk through life with these things kind of popping up and us having to kind of take our best shot. And then when we hit the bullseye on something, it feels like, wow, we really... Hit the center of God's will on that, right? God just blessed. That was just such a favored, blessed event, time. Like that was so such a challenge. And look what God did with it. And other times we just miss. And we say, you know, I dropped the ball on that challenge, but it's too late. I've already moved past it, kind of. Um, it, it, I, I just, I missed. It, it's an interesting parallel, too, because in the Bible, the Greek word, amartia, for sin, the Greek word for sin, is originally an archery term. It's when you miss the target. So you hit the target and you score a point or several points based on how close to the bullseye. But if you miss the target completely, a misfire, a miss, it's called a sin. And that was the word that our New Testament authors chose to use to describe what it's like when we know what God's will is, we know what his commands are, we know what his law is, we know what he's calling us to do, but we just miss, we miss the mark. And this kind of relates to a sermon on Peter from a few weeks back, too. We're not supposed to stop when we miss. We don't quit the course. We don't say, well, I could never hit another target. We just say, that was a miss, but we're going to fail forward. We're going to keep moving forward. We're going to compensate. I'm hitting everything to the right. Why is that? What in me is making me miss all of my spiritual targets to the right? Let's compensate. Let's pray. God, develop this. Help us improve our aim. Help us see your will more clearly. Help us grow stronger. Help us improve that sort of thing. But as soon as we step into this metaphor, we start to think in terms of like, well, how close to the center of God's will can I get? 
All right, like I think I'm hitting the target in broad terms, or at least this target I did, but like, what would it look like to get to the middle? And people start using the phrase, hearing from God. I want to hear from God to know what I should do. I would like to suggest that hearing from God is actually a subset of the bigger category, which the Bible primarily encourages us to do. It is know the will of God. Now, when you, you look at the smallest subset, hearing from God, you're starting to say, well, okay, God, are you going to answer my question with a miraculous event or with a sign or a wonder or with something specifically from Scripture? Like, or am I going to have a vision or a dream? Or am I going to hear a voice audibly tell me? Like, that's such a small subset of how God has communicated to all his people over all time. But it falls within the broader category. The Bible says, know the will of God. Present yourself as a living sacrifice so you can know his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so I'd like to suggest as we think about these targets to think about what it looks like to be within God's will on each of the areas of our lives, but also to look more and more specifically towards that personal connection if and when God chooses to specifically say something to you. Because I think that sometimes we think that hearing from God is the category that I'll hear from God whether or not I'm supposed to hit this target. So say that this target represents our singles in our our families, our singles in our church. Should I get married? Should I not? And so I want to hear from God, like, should I get married? I want to hear from God. Does he have someone for me? I want to hear from God. All of a sudden, we've taken ourselves out of the biblical encouragement to seek the will of God, and we're waiting for a specific word from God. So you see, it's the smallest subset. The basic big will of God is that God has created men and women to be together. It's his design. So if you desire that, you desire what he made most people for. But there is this small subset of people that he's given the gift of celibacy to. A gift, a special unique gift. Not for most, but for some, where they're just fine being single. And that's not a source of temptation for them. It's not a source of of lust for them. It's not driving them into inappropriate sexuality. It's just they're fine being single. And they're using their single life and all this time that they have as an individual to serve the Lord and to love others. You know, Paul says he had this gift and he wishes everybody could have it, but he knows not everybody does. So he says it's better for you to marry than to burn in lust. So one target is definitely marriage. And for someone, it may be hitting a bullseye, maybe staying unmarried. For most, it will be getting married. Well, what's God's will? God, speak to me. I want to hear your voice. Well, his will is that you would marry someone of the same faith that you would marry someone of the opposite gender, that you would marry someone who you can submit yourself to and who will submit themselves to you, mutual submission. That you, if you're a man, may marry someone that you could represent Christ to and give your life to that woman the same way Christ, Christ gives his life for the church. And that if you're a woman, that you may find someone to marry, hitting the bullseye on the target for you, that you can fully trust yourself with, that you can support them, that you can respect them, that you can become one with them and that your dreams and their dreams would be a hand in glove. We say, well, God, speak to me. Well, we know his will and we can wait for him to speak, but those still feel like too abstract of terms. And so I'd like to suggest whether it's marriage 
or whether it's us raising teenage children in the home and us trying to instill in them the confidence that God loves them, that we love them, help them find that identity in Christ before they get pulled here and there by everyone around them and by the world. Like, that's a target. Children are a target. Whether we have biological children or whether we're just in a church family, these other children are our children too. Those are a target. What's it going to look like to miss? What's it going to look like to hit? What's it going to look like to find that, that perfect moment where God blesses and the arrow goes true and just see fruit and, and blessings? And so I'd like to suggest that somewhere in between the broadest category of, you know, God and the smallest bullseye of his audible speaking to us, there are levels of confidence within God's will. And so on each target, I'd like you to just picture the concentric circles. The broadest circle in my mind, as I see in Scripture, is knowing the character of God. We will never go wrong. We'll never completely miss the target if we are trying to approach that challenge emulating the character of God. So God is life. The things that we do to support life, to sustain life, to thrive. So if it's emotional uh, death and, and someone is in despair and depression and we can bring life, emotional life, whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual, bringing life is within God's will because it's a reflection of his character and we're made in the image of God. So we're made to be representatives of God on earth. We're made to be ambassadors for Christ on earth. So a bullseye may be something different, but the general, are we in the will of God? Are we reflecting the character of God in this situation? And I think before we even recognize like more circles, let's just stop and, and realize we're supposed to take a shot at every target. If things pop up, if we have new neighbors that move in, that's a target. What will we do with that? A miss would be doing nothing. A miss would be ignoring that as people that God loves, an opportunity to introduce people to his love. A miss would be wronging our neighbor rather than loving him. But you can't just skip targets. You can't bypass them. That's like the, the parable where Jesus said they were all given different amounts of money. And when the, the owner came back, this one just buried his coin in the sand. If we get to God face to face and he says, look at all these targets I gave you as you walked through the woods. You didn't even try for half of them. Why? Missed opportunity. That's how he's going to confront us with those. Now, we may miss, we may, the flesh may be weak, we may sin and, and miss the mark, but shoot for every target. All the situations that come in your life, try to approach them from God's will. What do we do with our time? That's a target. Your time is a target. Your money is a target. Well, does your money reflect the character of God? Well, then you know you're within the will of God. How can we know the will of God? Because he's revealed himself through scripture. So whatever we can know about God through nature, through scripture, you say, this is what defines him. I'm going to approach this target, the biggest framework saying, I am aiming to represent the father, the creator. You'll find that there won't be many misses when we start with that broadest thing. You know, in marriage, we could marry someone who doesn't believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's a miss on that target. And what it's going to mean is more misses and more problems and more targets popping up all over the place. The broadest category, marry someone who believes that God loves them enough to send his son to die for them, that their sins can be forgiven. That person in you will have a worldview that allows you to live in harmony. You'll understand things like grace and forgiveness and repentance and unity, forbearance, 
patience. You will just live those things because that's the character of God. And someone else who doesn't have those values, that same worldview, will just seem to be in opposition all the time. So that's how you miss the target on marriage. But within that, who should you marry? Well, in the broadest manner of speaking, anybody who's a Christian who you can love and can love you back is qualified. Maybe it's as simple as that. And maybe we're waiting to hear from God, a word from God, when he's like, well, you know my will. You have freedom to operate within that will. The book of James says, let's look into the perfect law which gives freedom. God's law, his commands, they provide this sort of boundary, like a big fence in a big area. It's like a big target. And you can shoot within that and be within the will of God. It doesn't always have to be this precise spoken, you know, heaven's part, clouds part, God says to you in a, in a beam of sunlight, this is what you're supposed to do. Are we within the will of God? Are we representing his character? So that's the biggest is character. And then I just mentioned the next one is God's commands. God has already made many commands through the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. The Ten Commandments, yes, but also commands about how to love your neighbor. Yes, that's in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. And Jesus has given us commands, commands to love, commands to sacrifice, commands in terms of civic obedience versus civic disobedience. He's given us specific commands, do this. Communion, do this in remembrance of me. Foot washing ceremony, do this. The woman who poured oil, every place that my message goes, he said, this story will be told and she'll be honored for her great sacrifice. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. So the commands of God and the commands of Christ are already laid out. And you may say, I want to hear from God. Well, You've already heard a lot from God through Scripture because he's done a lot of talking to a lot of people for a lot of time. And it's been written down for your benefit. That's what Paul writes in Romans. These things in the past in Scripture have all been recorded so that through endurance and perseverance, you might know the truth. You might follow God. So the broadest category of God's character is very closely intertwined with his commands because his commands all come from his character. Every command of God and Christ emanate from their character. So they're going to give you a command based on love because they are love. They're going to give you a command that preserves your life by hedging out these things that will destroy you because they are life. Jesus is life. He is the light of God. They're going to block out certain things that are darkness so that you can walk in the light. So the character of God, the character of Christ, are specifically stated in command form. So many times in the Bible, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. We can just read those commands and say, I'm within the will of God by obeying the commands of God. Well, what are they? I don't know. Read the Bible. Dig them out. What are the commands of God? What is the character? What are the names of God? Jehovah Jireh, the provider, the God who sees, the God who knows, um, the Lord of hosts, right? Well, these define his character. Then how can we hit the target of marriage? How can we hit the target of children? How can we hit the target of spending our time? How can we hit the target of loving our neighbor by reflecting the character of God, by obeying commands? Love your neighbor. That's just simple. Look on either side of your house and front and back, your apartment, next door, up, down. You love those people. Love them now. Go, go love them. That's a command based on the character of God who seeks out people to love, who will respond. And he loves people and sends the rain on the just and the unjust. So you've got God's character based uh, and then his commands. And then within that, you have the, uh, the speaking of the Holy Spirit through the church. You are not the only person who can hear from God. 
And sometimes when you say, God, I want to hear from you, he tells the person next to you to tell you. So God's actually doing two things at once there. He's speaking to a brother or sister to confirm his connection with them. And he's challenging them to get uncomfortable and speak to someone else something that they think they heard God say, but they might be wrong. And so they're like, should I say this? Is this me or is this God? I don't know if the Holy Spirit is prompting this or if this is me, but it builds a relationship for them between the Father. It challenges them to obedience. It puts your relationship at risk in some ways. You know, they don't know, will you listen? Will you agree? Will you not? Will you not want to hear what they have to say? So they come and they speak the truth and love to you. And now you have a lesson that you're learning from God. Okay, God, I've been waiting for you to talk to me, but this person's saying this. Yeah, but God, what are you going to say to me? Now this other person's saying this. Yeah, but God, what are you going to say to me? He said, you know my will already in the broadest terms, and I'm sending you people with my advice through the Holy Spirit. So listen to them. But then we say, well, well, I want to hear your voice too, Father. And that brings us to kind of the bullseye on a target. If it's children, and we know the will of God, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Don't stress them out and be harsh on them. Be loving and firm and guide them, coach them, mentor them, nurture them, protect them, even from themselves sometimes, but love them. Don't be harsh in your family. Don't work with anger as your tool of first resort. Like that's the will of God. That's the commands of God. And then when we start hearing from our spouse or hearing from someone like, I don't you think that was a little bit harsh? Or you start hearing feedback from your children, like, I didn't like how you talked to me there. What are we going to do with the feedback that comes from other sources? God, tell me how to parent. He's like, I've given you a lot of advice. And you know who I am as a father, so try to emulate that. And here are people around you which can take the form of books. Good Christians have written good books. We quote Lewis, we quote Bonhoeffer, we quote a lot of people as we we dig into sermons and Bible studies. Why? Because somehow in their relationship with God, they've stumbled upon these truths and these nuggets, these, these pearls, these beautiful ways to understand God or to relate Him to others. If you want to be a good parent, read some parenting books by some Christians who've got some insight. If we want to be a church that's good at reaching out, let's read from other churches that have done a great job of being missional. Let's learn because they've explored God's will in this particular target. And it looks like they're hitting pretty close to a bullseye. Well, how? What has God said to them? And you'll find that they understand prayer. They know God's word. They have a love for people. They understand grace. And as they've lived it out on their particular target that have popped up as they've walked through life, that they've gained skill. And that's just called spiritual maturity. That's called sanctification. We gain skill. Now, if we stop here in our whole metaphor and don't go any further, we run the risk of making this a salvation based on works. I tried to do something here and I did a good job, so I learned. I tried over on this target and it didn't work so well. But if I try harder and I work on my aim... No, we need to stop for a moment and say, in this forest, in this field, where is Jesus standing? Where is Jesus standing? And I promise you, he's standing at your right hand. And he's whispering encouragement into your ear at every target. When it pops up, he says, do not fear. Trust me, have faith. And he gives us 
the bow. He gives us the arrows. And when we can't even pull it back any harder, he stands back behind us and he pulls our arm back. He helps us. He gives us the strength and helps us let it go so that we can hit the targets in our lives. Jesus is there with us. Why? How? Because he's already run the whole course. He's done this 3D spiritual course already and he won it. He hit bullseyes all through every target. And so he's just saying, this is what I would do in this situation. Let's do it together. He's guiding us. He's apprenticing us as we go through it. So the skill is not ours. It's just absorbed. He's the one with the skill. The materials, the tools, the prayer, the, the, the seeking of scripture, that's from him. We're being mentored by him. These are the arrows. This is how you fight these battles. This is how you hit these targets. This is what God's will. This is what my character is. These are the commands that come from that character. This is how the Holy Spirit speaks to others. And in those beautiful, special moments, this is a specific word I have for you. Where Jesus whispers in our ear and says, it's a little windy. Aim a little bit to the left. And it goes true. We say, wow, that still small voice was God leading me. And we learn to recognize the voice. Because while Jesus is here at our right hand, picture a crowd of people all shouting a bunch of nonsense, shouting a bunch of noise, trying to distract us. That's the world. That's Satan. That's demons. That's nothing from God. And we need to get good at just tuning out the noise and focusing on the voice of Jesus because he's the only one that knows how to go through the course, how to fire straight. And so those are the beautiful moments where you say, I heard from God. Let's not make that a substitute for knowing the will of God, but within knowing the will of God and the character of God and the commands of God and the Holy Spirit communicating through the church to us, through others, there are those moments where God just says, I've got something for you. Sometimes we wake up and we just have an answer to a question in our mind. The answer just showed up. Sometimes we wake up having had a dream and we know that that dream meant something. We say, Father, thank you for speaking to me. Sometimes we open up the Bible and we read something and it just blasts off the page. Like, that's exactly what I needed right then. Sometimes we get a text from someone and you're like, how could that person have known? All because they're listening to God and they just felt that little voice in their ear saying, send this message to my brother and my sister. They have desperate need of it right now. Sometimes the phone rings and it's the same thing. Sometimes we see a sunset and we have a calm settle over us that recognize we're part of a great, enormous universe and God's the one in control, not us. And it's beautiful. And that peace, which is from God, comes. If you think about the still small voice, Elijah, the prophet, the, probably aside from Moses in the Old Testament, the prophet of God, celebrated almost more than any other. You know, he went to hear from God. And there was an earthquake, nope, not the voice of God. And there was a storm, nope, not the voice of God. And there was thunder and there was lightning, no, not the voice of God. And then he heard a whisper. And that's usually where the Holy Spirit gets our attention and says, God knows you, he's formed you in your mother's womb since before you were ever born. Before the beginning of time, he knew that you would be born. And he knew that your heart would be for him. And so in his foreknowledge, he elected you and pre 
destined you to be chosen, to be conformed to the image of his son, to be given eternal life. Like he just knows. And so he does want to speak to us. But that little voice from God is such a gracious act. Who are we that God would lower himself to be able to communicate in human terms? It would be like us communicating to ants. More than that. The distance between God and us, far more than that. So sometimes in our quest to hear from God, which is a noble and beautiful thing, we elevate ourselves to thinking that we deserve to hear from God. Did Moses deserve to have a bush on fire and God's voice speaking to him out of it, saying, take off your sandals, this is holy ground? Did Moses deserve that? No, he murdered someone then and fled as a refugee from his homeland. He didn't deserve it. We don't deserve it. But it happens. And so if we settle for saying, oh, well, I read the Bible, and so therefore God and I, we're, we're close you're going to end up with this sort of generic approach to every situation. Well, let's just kind of try to hit the target, try to love people. Like, No, what does it look like for you specifically with your gifts and with your abilities and with your background to specifically love another person, be it a future spouse, be it your children, be it your next door neighbor, in a way that they specifically need it? Well, that's when we come through these concentric circles and say, okay, God, I know I'm within your will because I'm loving your neighbor. I know that I'm within your will because I'm obeying your commands. I know that I'm I'm seeking those who are lost. This is what you do. You chase after the one who is lost and you leave the 99 together. You bring the lost one back too and you complete your hundred. So I know I'm within your will and and I've heard sermons that are popping up and I've been reading books and like I, I feel like this is, how do I do it? And within that perfect law that gives freedom, God says, well, just Take your best shot. And Jesus is right there saying, oh, turn this way a little bit. He said, I, I, I've been through this before. He said, I faced this target before. This is a good one. That's a tough one, but this is a good one. And then you hit or you miss or it's where it was or where it wasn't and it went well or didn't go well. But the process of knowing God's will in every area of our lives, in retirement, what is God's will? Well, he's still got you on this earth, so he's got things for you to be doing. So I know at least God's character is not laziness, sitting on the couch 24 hours a day, (coughs) enjoying not having to work or do anything for anyone, finally having our freedom. Like, that's not the character of God. Those aren't the commands of God. What does it look like for you in your later years, in those years with the experiences you've had, with the targets you've gone for and made some and missed some, what does it look like for you to mentor the next generation? What does it look like for you to connect to others who are in those stages of life but are desperately afraid of death because they don't know what's coming next? What does it look like for you to walk fearlessly and joyfully towards the end of this life, anticipating eagerly the one to come? What's your testimony? What's that target look like? Jesus walked that path too. He went all the way to death and back. He says, I know how this target goes. Let me show you. So I encourage you to think about Christ's role. I encourage you to to watch out for um, all the things that will distract all the noise out there and just focus yourselves on the, the character of God, 
the commands of God, the character and commands of Christ, the voice of the Holy Spirit through others and directly to yourself, and to, to just take action. We're meant to walk this course. We're meant to take our best shot. And then to be there with Christ helping us and for him to pick up all the missed arrows and say, okay, let's put them back. Let's try for the next one. Let's see where we can go. Let me love you through. Let the grace of Christ help us with our misses, our near misses, and our, our targets. Uh, let's not trust in our own understanding in this. Uh, let's not say, well, this felt like the right thing to do for this situation. Uh, our conscience isn't always the best guide. You know, let your conscience be your guide. That's not always a very good guide. Conscience is usually an accumulation of experiences and habits and things we've learned from others, but our experiences don't define God. God defines our experiences. And we may have had things that turned out right even when we did the wrong thing. We can't necessarily learn from our own lessons even sometimes. And sometimes we're so hardened by the deceitfulness of sin or we're so tricked that one target over here seems like, oh, that's fine. It's fine to do this. I don't feel convicted by the Holy Spirit at all. But if you look at God's will, like make the effort to know the will of God, we say, well, even if it doesn't feel like a target that I'm supposed to be shooting for, even if it felt fine when I missed that, I didn't feel any personal conviction, we know within God's will, he's already revealed to us what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to love justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly before your God. So don't just rely upon whether we'll happen to have good reflexes when the next target pops up and happen to make a good shot. Let's prepare ourselves by digging into God's word. Let's prepare ourselves by a passionate prayer life that has us down on our hands and knees bowing before the Father every single day saying, God, I don't even know what targets are out there. Like, I know about the target with my finances. I know about the target with my job. I know about the target with this conflict that I'm in with this person. I know about the target of the politics of the country and the difficulties and the stresses there. I know about the target uh, for my children or the children in my, my sphere of influence. Okay, but those are like the five or ten that I know about. What are the ten that are going to pop up today that I didn't even see? Can you please prepare me for them? And Jesus will stand you up at the beginning of your day, at the end of your prayer time, and point you in the right direction. He'll get your feet set exactly where they need to be, get our eyes fixed exactly where they need to be, and he'll walk us through it. And when we get to those situations, God will say, take your best shot. And sometimes when we miss, that's exactly what we needed to see. Ugh, I'm not near to hitting that target yet. And Jesus says, yeah, I died because of that missed arrow there. I died for that miss, for that sin. I'm going to scoop up that lost arrow. We're going to move forward. You are forgiven for that miss. You are forgiven for that sin. But we have to be honest. We have to take our best shot. And then we have to let Christ, who is our atonement, Christ who is our life, Christ who lives through us, Christ who is our righteousness, Christ who is the one who has gone before let him carry us through every stage and every target. So may you be blessed this week in your pursuit of God's character as a means to know his will. And may you be blessed this week in your pursuit of God's commands. 
He's told us so much already. We know so much of his will already. We don't need to be waiting for the next Bible to be written. We're living out the Bible age now, the spirit age. We're living out these end times waiting for the return of Christ. Let's use to our advantage all the things that have been recorded for us to use. May you be blessed as you seek out God's revealed will in Scripture. May you be blessed to have a Christian brother and sister who loves you enough to speak into your life. And may you be blessed enough this week to speak courageously and lovingly, shoulder to shoulder with someone to help adjust their aim. And if it be God's will, this week, may you hear him speak to you in that gentle voice which knows you inside and out which knows the plans he has for you, which knows that voice that knows that you are his workmanship, which are being created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's prepared in advance for you. May that small voice remind us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory, but all are justified freely by his grace. May that still small voice manifest itself in your life. Not so that you may know God's will, but so that you may have the benefit of connecting to his heart and experiencing his presence for yourself. There's nothing greater than the presence of God. There's nothing greater than experiencing a moment in that ray of sun to just know, God, you and me are okay. And even if he doesn't answer all of our questions, and even if he doesn't tell us every specific thing we're supposed to do, that's okay because we live by faith. If we had God, if we wanted to hear from God to the extent that he told us everything that was to happen, we would no longer need faith to live. We are called to live by faith. And so within these circles of our targets, we live by faith and we live freely, saying, I'm operating to the best of my ability within the character of God, the commands of God, the operation of the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ and directly to me. But may you be granted the blessing of a burning bush moment this week. May you be granted the blessing, the unexpected, undeserved, but promised by God, wonderful experience of hearing his still small voice. And may it dispel your fears. May all the questions that we have just fade in comparison of looking at his face. May looking into the face of God through the face of Christ this week make the targets appear bigger, make your arrows fly truer, and uh, make you just appreciate the amazing privilege we have that the God of the universe would condescend to connect with each and every individual being, to lead them in grace through this life, to see him face to face in the next. May you be blessed on your spiritual 3D courses this week. May Christ give you his aim, his vision, and disciple you to, um, to hit bullseyes this week by the grace of God and for his glory. God bless you, church.